0: All right, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Psalm 1. We are going to jump into our summer sermon series, uh, which will be called Summer in the Psalms. Uh, we did this two years ago, so this is our second round. Uh, we'll do this every other year or every few years. Uh, and then eventually, uh, after about 30 years, we'll have preached every psalm here, so stick around. It's going to be one of our longer series, um, but we will do it. Um, let's start with Psalm 1. This summer, um, it's on page 568, if you're using one of the big blue Bibles that we have underneath the chair in front of you. Hear now God's holy and true word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again. Father, you are so good to us and you have done more for us than we can possibly comprehend in Christ, and so we are uh, grateful, and we long, Lord, for this time that we spend in your word uh, to be powerful in our lives. We do pray that you would uh, help us to see uh, the glory of the Lord Jesus as well as uh, this incredible invitation um, to be saturated with your word, which is inerrant and infallible, sharper than any two-edged sword. So, Father, we just uh, ask your mercy upon us now and that you would help us to grow in grace, that you would uh, use this time to equip us to take the good news of our Lord Jesus to our neighbors and to the nations, for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we are going to, as I said, be looking at different psalms all summer long, and uh, we are going to look at different psalms this summer than we looked at last summer, uh, except for today. We are going to look at Psalm 1 again. In fact, we will probably, every time we kick off a summer in the psalms, we will, we will look at Psalm 1. And that is because uh, scholars who have studied the Psalms uh, intently have recognized that Psalm 1 is really the key to understanding the Psalms. Uh, in fact, Charles Spurgeon, a, uh English preacher from uh, a while back, he said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he says that Psalm 2 through 150 are really one long sermon about Psalm 1. And so understanding Psalm 1 is very critical if we're going to look at any other psalms. And so that's what we're going to focus on today Uh, and and really going to do two things. I really want to focus in on the main point of Psalm 1, the main thing that we see in Psalm 1, an incredible promise uh, and an incredible invitation. And then I want to get super practical because if we believe what Psalm 1 says, then we're going to want some, uh, practical way forward, uh, ways forward, uh, regarding the Word, which we'll, we'll get to. So just two things I want to do today. Just really emphasize this main thing that we see in Psalm 1, and then second we'll get, we'll get real practical. Okay? So, uh, keep your Bibles open, and let's take a look at, uh, verse 1. And before we do that, here's, here's the main point. Psalm 1 is pretty black and white, pretty straightforward, and it is amazing. And here's the main thing. Basically, what Psalm 1 is telling us is that the key to happiness and fulfillment in the Christian life is developing an ever-increasing love and hunger for God's Word. I'm going to say that again. Okay? The key to happiness and fulfillment in the Christian life is developing an ever-increasing love and hunger for God's Word. Let's take a look. Uh, blessed, it says in verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So very first thing to notice here is that, number one, that word blessed in the Hebrew actually appears twice. Okay, so it's really emphasized. Uh, but the word blessed literally means supremely happy or fulfilled. So this is what we're seeing here. This is what the person who wants to be supremely happy, supremely fulfilled in their relationship with God. Uh, this is the key to that. And so the first thing we see is what, what not to do. Uh, and that's what verse one is about. Uh, the, the person who's going to be happy and fulfilled in their relationship with God uh, ultimately doesn't move farther and farther from God. That's kind of what we see in verse one. There's a, like a negative uh, trajectory or progression. Walking away, standing away, and sitting down away. And so there you can see also in walking, in the counsel of the wicked, that's listening to what the world has to say about life and about happiness. Okay, And so the first thing that we're seeing is that we don't want to listen to the world when it comes to trying to see how we can be fulfilled and happy. And not only do we not want to listen, but to, to stand in the way of sinners. If you stand with someone, you're in agreement. In other words, not only do we not want to be listening to the world, but also not living like the world. God calls us to not live like the world because he knows that those ways will not fulfill us, will not produce in us what we often hope they will. So we don't want to listen to the world. We don't want to live like the world. And then to sit in the seat of scoffers is to get to the point where you're actually laughing at God's word, laughing at the people who might take the word of God seriously. And if you've been paying attention, there's lots of people laughing, mocking Christianity uh, these days. And so you can, you've can you seen it. One of the things that's beautiful about this, though, is think about this. You know, Psalm 1 is a call to people. Uh, and therefore, wherever we're at, whether we're walking away, whether we're standing or whether we're sitting, whether we're listening to the world or living like the world or even beginning to laugh at God, God is merciful and calls us back to him and to uh, what will actually bring us true happiness, which is him. He is our great reward. And so that's what's so amazing here. So we don't want to move from God. That's that's really simple to, to think about. Now, the next verse, though, is something that you struggle with and I struggle with. Let's take a look. Uh, his delight, this is the blessed person. This is the person who's fulfilled and happy in their relationship with God. His delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Law, by the way, here and often in the Old Testament referring to the, the, the word of God, God's teaching. Okay, so uh, and, and that word meditate is uh, an interesting Hebrew word as well. Uh, so we're, we're talking about the, the way to fulfillment and happiness is loving God's word and meditating or thinking about it a lot. In fact, that word meditate in the Hebrew, uh, it means to think on something over and over and over. Uh, it's It literally means to growl which is interesting. It comes from the same word that they would have used to uh, to refer to the way an animal kind of growls a little bit as it's gnawing on a bone. Like a dog. Have you ever seen a, bo- a dog just like enjoying a bone? Like, ah, 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 ah. you know, yes. Is that awkward for me to do that in front of you right now? Yes. But, if you've seen a dog just working through and chewing on that bone and you look at that dog and you know one thing, that dog is enjoying this time together with that bone. And you know, if you try to take it away, you're going to have a holy hand. I'm not talking about holy like God. I'm talking about holes from his teeth, okay? So that's the imagery here. This is, this is what the psalm is saying. Here's the promise. Delight in God's word. Love it and think about it a lot. And there will be fulfillment and there will be happiness in your walk with Christ. Now, you struggle to believe that? So do I. OK, the proof of that is that we're not in the word as much as we can be and hopefully maybe will be after we are challenged by the word of God today. Uh, here's here's this incredible illustration. Then look at verse three. Uh, why, why is somebody who is really uh, in the word and the word is in them? Why are they so happy? It's beautiful. Verse three. What's he like? What's she like, that person who's saturated with the word? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. Think about that imagery. See, ultimately, like a tree that is planted by streams of water does not have to wait for it to rain. To get what it needs it is always able to get its roots down into that water, which is an inexhaustible source of life and health for that tree. And so that's what the word is. God's word is that it's like a a stream of water where when our roots are in it, when we are in it, it is an inexhaustible source of spiritual life and health for us because God has given us his word. And so it's perfect and it's powerful and it does not return to him empty. And therefore, also, not only do we have this constant source of spiritual life and health, but then it's you know it's, the, the imagery is also that we, we bear fruit. The tree bears fruit in its season. And that's because when we're spiritually healthy, there's going to be fruit in our lives. Not every moment of every day, but seasonally, over and over again, there's fruit in our lives. We're growing in grace, growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not only is there spiritual health from that constant, inexhaustible source of life and health in God's word, but also our, it says our leaf does not wither. And that's a picture of the spiritual health uh, which, which enables us to persevere through difficulty. I'm always amazed when I see people who are saturated with the word when they are facing the hardest times of their lives, because it, it, you can just see that their their leaf does not wither. And uh, many of you know that um, my really uh, dear friend and mentor, Mike Francis, we prayed for him this morning. You know, he's in the hospital. He needs a miracle. He's had a heart attack, and he really needs a miracle. And I have been there uh, almost every day this week, and um, I've spent a lot of time with his family. And one of the things that I've seen, see, if you know Mike Francis, you know that his family is in the Word. Okay, I mean, that's just... Who he is, and that's why I I think I can stand here today, even though I'm grieving so much. I know that he would love a church to be challenged to be in the Word, and so. But but I but I um, you know watching, especially specifically his wife, and just the way that they're constantly just quoting Scripture, the constant way that they're just uh, they're they're not withering. It is the worst week of their lives. But they are not withering. Uh, and, and then prosper. It says in all that he does he prospers. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything we do turns to gold. But what it means I think ultimately is that Romans 8.28 is true. That all things work for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose. And therefore we can know that whatever we're doing. Even when bad things are happening. God is working it for the good. So in all ways we are prospering. When we're saturated with the word, when we when we when we know the word and when we can call it to memory as needed. Uh, Man. And so here's the challenge. Here's what I want you to think about. If you don't feel a sense of happiness and fulfillment in your walk with God. This is the answer. The answer is, is diving in and making every effort to be in the word more, to get more of the word in you. Because this is the promise. This is what it produces in us. In the gospel of Mark, if you remember, we talked about the word, uh, the Greek word referring to the word is automados. It's automatic. When it's in us, when it's when we're hearing it, when it's getting in us, it's doing something at all times and it produces in us this spiritual health, as the Holy Spirit applies it to us. But the biggest reason, the biggest reason that we, we uh, are like this tree is because as we continually go to the word, we can't help but to continually interact with the gospel, with the good news that Jesus died the death he died to pay for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God and that we are we receive that forgiveness as well as the declaration of righteousness not by anything that we do or don't do, But through faith, by grace, through faith, you see, our hearts, by nature, we will naturally always go to, I've got to do certain things and then God will accept me. But the Bible will constantly remind us, no, 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 God has done for you what you could not do because He's a God of grace. It reminds us to continually repent and continually believe and continually celebrate what He has done for us in Christ. That makes us Like a tree that's just got this constant source of life and health. You see, verse 4 says, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is, and wicked, you could also translate that as the faithless. Okay, People who do not believe. They don't have what we have available to us. Chaff was the part of the grain that would be thrown away. The, the, the farmer would harvest the grain and then he would uh, beat it and then it would kind of separate from the husks and he would throw it up in the air and the grain would come back down, but the wind would carry the husks away. And that's the imagery that a person that does not have faith uh, and, and does not have therefore faith in God and, and believe what his word says, they, they're going to get blown away. They cannot stand. And the worst part is it, where can they not stand. Verse 5 says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Because the word tells us the gospel and it is by believing the gospel that we are saved. It's not by what we do. And so therefore, someone who does not have faith, they, they are not saved and they will stand before God when Jesus returns to judge the world. They will stand and they will be judged according to the way they live their life. And they will fall incredibly short. Just like we all fall incredibly short. The difference is. Through faith we have received. Forgiveness of sins and the declaration of righteousness. So this is why we want to proclaim the gospel. This is why we continually want to send people to the nations. To get this good news out there. But. But. The central focus here is this importance of being in the word, getting the word in us. And how God is telling us this morning, come and get it. This psalm just screams to us, there's so much happiness and fulfillment. If we will just come and get it and spend the time and do whatever it takes uh, to, to get his word in us you know this is a huge issue, issue. There, you know studies are showing that people don't really know their bibles very well and therefore we can't really live a psalm one life we can't feel that fulfillment and that excitement and that joy of of knowing god deeply through his word in fact jared wilson is a uh, pastor and author some of you might have heard of he just wrote an article uh, entitled six problems uh, with the evangelical church. And number five was biblical illiteracy. It is, it's a big problem. Uh, he says this, our people don't know the Bible very well. And this is in large part the fault of a generation of wispy preaching and teaching in the church and in the home connected to this factor is the church's accommodation and assimilation of the culture's rapid, rapid shifting from text-based knowledge to image-based knowledge. He goes on to say, when it comes to the text itself, I suspect that a lot of the superficial faith out there results from teaching that treats the Bible like Bartlett's familiar quotations. And I love this. Fortune cookie preaching will make brittle, hollow, syrupy Christians. And he's right. And here's the thing. What's interesting, you know, studies, you may have seen this. uh, Studies are showing that the number of people who are saying that they are Christian when they take a survey in our country, that number of people is decreasing and the amount of people who check none or no religious affiliation is increasing. And so people are talking about the church is is falling apart. Well, what's here's what's interesting about that. Studies also show that only eight percent. Of religious teenagers can actually articulate what they believe eight percent i'm not great at math but it sounds like 92 percent of young people don't even know what they believe largely probably because they don't have a, a a a normal regular rhythm of getting in god's word and getting god's word in them okay and so uh, the reality is, you know, the, these young people are leaving the church. They don't even know what they're leaving. I was just, I just had a conversation recently with a, a younger guy that uh, has walked away from the church. And I asked him about, you know, what, did it, what do you think the church is? Or what do you think the Bible teaches? And uh, long story short, he was way off. Okay? Way off. And as I began to engage him and was able to explain to him what the Bible actually teaches, now he was interested in Bible study. Go figure. Okay, I mean, this is this is a big deal. We need to know our word. We need it in us. We need to get in it. Uh, You really we really can't experience uh, we're saved by grace through faith, period. But to experience. The abundance of life. The glory of God to really feel that to experience that happiness and that fulfillment that God wants us to have in him it's got to be coming through the word so please don't hear me beating up on you or me we're all in this together this is not uh this is not a berating this is an invitation this is an invitation for every single one of us to want and to go after that fulfillment and that happiness by uh more time in the word and more word enough so let me get uh very practical uh here and um I'm gonna have to move sort of quick so hang with me and i will post all this stuff i got it largely from a, a book called spiritual disciplines for the christian life by don whitney uh great book and i want to just kind of run through some basic stuff that we really want to be doing this is how we do this how do you delight in the word how do you meditate on it how do you, how do you think about it a lot here we go uh, the things that we need to be doing to cultivate a love for God's word and maintain that strong connection. We want to hear the word, study the word, read the word, and memorize the word. Again, and in the right order this time, hearing it, reading it, studying it, memorizing it. Because when those things happen, uh, good things happen. Particularly, application of the word, but let's talk about it. So, hearing the word. Think about this. Romans ten seventeen, Paul says, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And Paul charged Timothy in First Timothy four to continue to read Scripture and to preach it and to teach it, so that people would hear. Uh, I love First Thessalonians two thirteen. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the word of god which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word from men but as what it really is the word of god which is at work in you believers okay and then of course hebrews 4 talking about the word being living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts of and the intentions of the heart. We need to hear God's word. And a big emphasis in scripture would be to hear God's word preached. No matter who it is. One of the things that's amazing about the word of God. Is it works. It has power independent of who delivers it. I'm very thankful for that. The effectiveness of the word of God has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with the power that it has within itself. And when somebody is preaching it, there's power. And so a very simple, practical tip is this. Be in a worship service where the word is preached every week. Okay? That's why, why we want you here. We don't want you here so that you're just here. We believe in the power of the preached word. We believe in that. And so you need to know that evangelically speaking, the frequency of even committed Christians in attending a worship service has dropped. It used to be about people would go on average three or four times a month. Now they're going two or three times a month. And I would just want to say to you, church, no, let's not do that. Let's not be average. Let's be here. And I know a lot of you travel. And when you're traveling, be somewhere at a church, a faithful church that will be preaching the gospel. You need to be hearing the word of God preached it's part of how we continually move deeper into our relationship with god and uh into that fulfillment and that happiness okay so hear it get in places where you will hear it number two we need to be reading god's word we need a healthy pattern of reading the word of god it's interesting how Jesus in the Gospels, there are multiple times, particularly in Matthew, where the Pharisees are getting up in Jesus' face, and his response is basically, have you guys not read your Bible? Matthew twelve, three. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? Matthew 19:4. He answered, Have you not read? that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, Matthew 22, 31 through 33. Uh, and as for the resurrection of the dead, he said, have you not read what was said to you by God? And so there's this, this clear need in scripture for us to read God's word. So I want to give you some practical tips on that. Uh, one would be that if you if you're going to have a healthy devotional life where you're spending time in the word, schedule it. You schedule things that are important to you. Uh, so that you do them, right? So schedule this, put it on your calendar, be committed to that time. Uh, a great thing to do would be to use a plan. There's lots of great Bible reading plans. We have the UPC Bible reading plan. Uh, it's on paper, on the desk out there, and it's also on the app. And if you use the reading plan, you read for about 15 minutes a day, usually maximum, and in one year, you will read half of the Old Testament, you'll read the New Testament, and you'll read the Psalms. So every two years, you've read the Old Testament once, the Psalms twice, and the New Testament twice. Okay, um, It's a great plan. Or there's the, the version app has lots of different plans, but schedule the time, use a plan, and then another thing that's helpful is to select at least one verse to meditate on through the day. Write it down, tweet it, do what you got to do, but bring it with you. And think about it so that continues to have its effect on you. Uh, So we want to be hearing the word. We want to be reading the word. We want to be studying. Studying the word. Uh, Don Whitney says that when you're uh, reading the word, you're kind of cruising by the coastline in a motorboat. But when you study, you slow down. Now you're in a glass bottom boat. And you're moving slower and you're looking deeper. Okay, Ezra 710 said, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to do it and to teach it. Acts 17, 11, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Uh, they, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Second Timothy 4, Paul is telling Timothy to bring some things with him, and he says, above all, the parchments. In other words, above all, bring the, my, my copies of the scriptures. Paul, okay, the apostle, Paul, he wants to be studying the scriptures. And uh, uh, Don Whitney says, uh, Paul had seen heaven and the resurrected Christ. He had experienced the Holy Spirit's power for miracles and even for writing Holy Scripture. Nevertheless, he continued to study God's word until he died. If Paul needed it, surely you and I need it uh, and should discipline ourselves to do it. You know, what's interesting is the Pharisees, one of the reasons they were so wrong, Jesus said in Matthew twenty two twenty nine, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. My beloved friends, if you want to experience the power of God, you've got to know the scriptures. Prevents us from error, but it also helps us experience his power. So studying practical tips on that life group. Okay, our life groups. One of the things that we do is we make sure that as we gather as life groups, there's always some time in the word. So that's a great thing that you could commit to. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group and get. That's another place where you can uh, be studying the word. Use a study Bible. If you don't have a study Bible, get one. I think the Reformation Study Bible uh, by Ligonier Ministry is probably the best study Bible I've ever seen. That's what I use. Also, the ESV Study Bible is fantastic. You can uh, get information on either one of those at reformationstudybible.com or esvstudybible.org. The ESV version is this big, FYI. Okay, so get a pickup truck. Um, but this is the you know when you're when you're slowing down and you're and you're learning what it says you know you got you're going to have the, the notes at the bottom are what help you make sure that you can understand some of the maybe more confusing things in the word um, and then buying and borrowing borrowing commentaries can be very helpful for that too but studying is a very important thing finally uh memorizing and i want to i'm here here's my hope um as we've gone through these four things, I would imagine that at least one of these, if not all of these, you realize that you're leaving a lot of fulfillment and happiness on the table because you're not involved in these things as much as you could be. And I want to be very, the first to confess that the memorizing of God's word, I know from experience, more so I know from the word of God tells us so, but I also know from experience that it is a absolutely incredible uh, um Thing to do, and uh, this is one of the areas that I have fallen away from, and so I repent, and I want you to know I am getting, I'm back, I'm back, okay, I'm gonna be back on the memorization train, toot toot. Um, so here is, uh, here's what I want you to know about this. Uh, in Don Whitney's book, he, it's really great. He explains why memorizing the word is huge. Several reasons. One, it's a source of spiritual power. Psalm one nineteen eleven Uh, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So there's power in God's word that helps us to fight against sin. We see it uh, live in action as you watch Jesus uh, totally defeat the devil's temptations. In Matthew 4, 1 through 11, the devil keeps coming and trying to tempt Jesus to leave us in our sin, right? To not save us, to not continue with his mission. And then uh, what does Jesus do? He continually quotes what? Scripture to the devil repeatedly. And so there is uh, just this clear uh, emphasis that as we have God's word memorized, when we are facing temptation, there's power there as we have these verses come to our mind. Uh, Ephesians six seventeen. The in, in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the, the armor of God. There's one weapon and it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So every single verse that you have memorized is like a sword on your belt for when you do battle with the evil one or when you do battle with your doubts or your fears or your idolatry, whatever it is, every verse you have, just imagine as another sword that you can fight with, okay? We should just be like so weighed down by these swords, we can barely move, okay? Memorization, get them in. Uh, it also strengthens our faith. It's a sp- source of power. It also strengthens our faith. Proverbs 22:17 says, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips, that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you. And so the picture is that when we need strength, and there's a list of verses that we can start speaking, it's there. Uh, It equips us for evangelism and counseling. Now, this is a big one. When when Peter is preaching his sermon at Pentecost, we celebrated Pentecost uh, last week. And when when he was preaching at Pentecost, if you read in Acts 2, he's just quoting scripture repeatedly. Okay, it's all in his heart and it's just coming out and people are becoming believers Uh, and counseling as well. As you are ministering to people who are in need and you want to tell them something that you know is true. That will help them. If it, the more you have memorized, the more you can do that. I don't know how many times I said to the Francis family this week. The Lord is close to the broken hearted and lifts those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. It's a means of God's uh, guidance. Psalm 119.24 says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. So when we're trying to figure out what is it God wants me to do in this situation, verses come in if we've memorized them. Uh, it uh, stimulates meditation. Psalm 119.97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And you know, when we meditate and we maul over something and kind of chew on it, we can't really do that unless we actually are looking at it or if it's memorized, if it's memorized, then we can ha, chew on it all day. You don't have to make that noise. So practical tips on memorization. If you are seeing that, yes, if I would memorize more scripture, I will have more fulfillment in my walk with Christ. Okay, here's here's some practical tips. One, use, a, use an app like Fighter Verses, uh, Desiring God Ministries. Put out an app called Fighter Verses. I think it's a couple dollars. Uh, if that's an issue, let me know. I'll give you two dollars. I think it's, that's what it costs. And, and what it is, is it's 52 verses, one, uh, a week. And so every, the next thing is not only use an app, but, um, but make memorization part of your daily routine. So what I'm committing to now is going back to using the Fighter Verses app. And then at part of my morning routine, after I've read the word, I'm going to spend some time memorizing the verse of the week. And if you do one every week, that's almost 52 a year. As a math joke. You guys know I can't do math, right? Okay. But nonetheless, here is, there, there's a way to do it. And then another thing would be to get music, uh, that is, is scripture to music. And then listen to that music and that scripture starts to, uh, stick on your heart. And you remember it. Cause you know, here's what I know you know the words to. Your favorite song. Don't start singing. Okay, but you know the words to your favorite song. If you allow some of your favorite songs to be uh, these uh, scripture wor- verses put to music, it can be very powerful, very helpful. We, in our family, we buy the CDs. They're called Seeds Family Worship, and uh, they're just, its to be honest, it's pretty decent music. In fact, the reason I know Psalm 34, 18 is because there's a song that says the Lord is close to the broken hearted and lifts those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the broken hearted. Psalms 34:18. No. No. But do you see? Uh. By God's grace, I had that memorized, and it, it was it, God used it this week. I believe um, He's using it to me because I'm brokenhearted, and I know a lot of you are brokenhearted. Not necessarily about my Francis; you may not even know him, but there are people in your life, there, there's sadness in your life, there's things going on. And, and so, in the same way that I've been very ministered to by Psalm thirty-four, eighteen, I want to I want to stack the deck, I want to fill the bucket, I want as much scripture memorized in me. As possible. So those are some practical tips. Again you know this is not about. You trying to be a better Christian or. It's not about you trying to earn God's approval. This is about faith. This is a gospel issue. This is do we really believe that the almighty and infinite creator of all things. Who has given us this book and assured us of its truth and its power, could he be right about that? And if so, what in the world do we have better to do than to get in it and get it in us as a church, as families, as life groups, as a body of believers that we would be A body of believers that is serious about getting in the word and getting the word in us because we know that God wants us to glorify and enjoy him. The Westminster Divines nailed it. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him. And that enjoy gets a capital E when you are heart deep in the word of God. So uh, I want to leave you with a uh, charge. I want you, everyone, to commit to at least one thing that improves your Bible intake. Maybe it's committing to being at the worship service every week and not occasionally. Uh, maybe it is committing to starting a Bible reading plan. You should know that I started at least 90 Bible reading plans in my life. Okay? So you can start again right I've finally been when, once we launched our two year one i've been on that now for two years, and uh it's 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 producing fruit so so uh pick a plan, go for it, maybe you need to commit to being in a life group and going to it regularly because you know that that'll be another opportunity to interact with the Word of God, maybe at the very least you would download an app that'll help you start memorizing scripture, whatever it is it's not my promise it's his it's god 's promise that there is happiness and fulfillment in the life of a Christian as we spend more and more time heart deep in his word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of marrow. So do we believe it? Let's, with bold faith, believe it together. Let's hear the word, read the word, study the word, and memorize the word. And as we feel that happiness and fulfillment, let's tell the whole world that it's true. Let's pray. Father, I will be the first to confess that I get busy with other things. And I often think that things like Facebook or television or other things will actually bring me what I'm looking for, what, and, and, and I can only find in you. And so would you uh, forgive me? And would you help me and help all of us choose to come and get what, what you've offered to us in the Scriptures? You've given us forgiveness and the declaration of righteousness for free. Help us now to come and get everything we can get in your word and get it into us. Help it to make us more like Christ. Help it to empower us to take the gospel to the neighbors and the nations around us. So that we may truly, truly, truly glorify you and enjoy you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.